Welcome to Enriched Menopause, where perimenopausal and menopausal women can learn what's going on with their bodies and how to thrive during this stage and beyond. You are not crazy and you are not alone. I'm Dr. Jessica Rich. Let's do this together. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Enriched Menopause. Did you know that over 600,000 hysterectomies are performed in the U.S. each year, and that over 90% of those are for benign reasons, so not for cancer, things like bleeding and fibroids and endometriosis, and that many women will have their ovaries removed at the time of hysterectomy, But for a lot of those women, removing those ovaries can actually increase their overall risk of death or shorten their lifespan, which is a really big deal. Historically, the ovaries were often taken out for women anywhere near perimenopause or menopause if a hysterectomy was being done for other reasons. And we thought that this was helping people by reducing their risk of ovarian cancer. But now we know better. We know that the ovaries actually still have a lot of beneficial effects, even as you go through perimenopause and into menopause. They're still producing a little bit of estrogen, of course, not as much as before, but they're also still producing testosterone and other factors that can get converted to estrogens in the peripheral fat cells and can make a big difference, not only in symptoms of menopause, but also in general lifespan. So that's typically because the estrogen has cardiovascular protective effects, so protection against heart disease, and also significant protection against osteoporosis. So many times I'll have women come to me and we're talking about hysterectomy, usually for something like fibroids or bleeding or endometriosis. And most of the time they'll say, okay, just take it all out. I don't need it anymore. I don't want it. Take it all out. And I always have to tell women like, well, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about this because for most, that's not going to be the best option. We know that for women who are not postmenopausal yet, that removing the ovaries will put them into a surgical menopause. And that can be a lot more harsh than natural menopause, that sort of abrupt drop in hormones that doesn't happen in a sort of, yes, a little bit chaotic, but more natural way or more gradual way that it happens with perimenopause and natural menopause. That more abrupt drop in hormones can give a lot more severe symptoms and side effects. So things like the hot flushes and the mood changes and the brain fog and the joint pains and the skin changes and the vaginal dryness and all of the things that we've been talking about during the podcast, that can be a lot more severe and a lot more harsh when we remove the ovaries surgically. And even for women who are postmenopausal, while they're not going to see as dramatic of a difference as somebody who's either premenopausal or perimenopausal, they still will have some difference because, like I said, there is some production of estrogen in the ovaries at that time as well, and still that production of testosterone like we talked about. But even more than that, we have significant research now that is showing that 
really the overall death rates are higher in those who have their ovaries removed. And let's talk a little bit about what those numbers show. So particularly if we're looking at somebody who's, let's say, in their early 50s, so around that time when we expect most people to be hitting that menopause mark, most people are going to be postmenopausal into their early 50s, not everybody, but most. If the ovaries are removed at that time, then that increases the risk of death by age 80 by nearly 10%. And that's because, well, about 14,000 women die per year from ovarian cancer, which is really what we're trying to prevent in removing the ovaries. Some reduction in risk of breast cancer too, which we'll talk about later. About 14,000 women die per year from ovarian cancer, but heart disease really kills about 450,000 women per year. So it's much more prevalent. And then there are also some of those risks of osteoporosis, particularly hip fracture, which can lead to death within a year for many women as well. Now that's for women who are in their early 50s, so in that kind of early postmenopausal stage. For women who are younger than that, the risk is even higher. And then that risk does decrease as you get further into postmenopause and a little bit older, so that by the time you're probably like around 65 or so, there's really not as much benefit to increasing the ovaries. So I say all this to say that there's always going to be a discussion that you should have with your doctor whether or not you're thinking about removing the ovaries preventatively, which we'll talk about in a moment, or whether you're having a surgery for other reasons and thinking, well, should I just have my ovaries taken out at the same time? Because, of course, nobody wants ovarian cancer. If you've had a friend or a family member or anyone you know who's, who's suffered through that, it can be really terrible, a terrible thing to watch, and nobody wants to experience that. But overall, that fear of ovarian cancer really doesn't outweigh the risks of the cardiovascular disease. So let's talk about some reasons that would make you want to keep the ovaries and some reasons that may make you want to take the ovaries out. On the side of keeping the ovaries, if you're someone who is relatively healthy, if you're under the age of 65, And if you're in generally not having a lot of significant family history of cancer, so not a lot of breast or ovarian cancer in your family, no known genetic mutations for cancer for yourself or in your family, or if you do have some medical conditions, particularly things that make you at more risk for cardiovascular disease, so things like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, family history of heart attacks or strokes, If any of those things describe you, then you may want to keep your ovaries in if you're having surgery for something else or definitely to avoid taking the ovaries out for preventative measures. On the other side, if you do have a genetic mutation that's significant for ovarian cancer, these are things like the BRCA mutations 
or a Lynch syndrome mutation, or if you have a strong family history of ovarian cancer, even without a known genetic mutation. And I'm not talking about like a distant relative who had ovarian cancer, but someone close to you, a mother, a sister who had ovarian cancer, or if you yourself have had breast cancer and particularly a more aggressive type of breast cancer or a higher stage breast cancer, something that's estrogen receptor positive, that's requiring you to take anti-hormonal medications to try to reduce your risk of recurrence. Those may be reasons to think about having your ovaries removed. Now, again, it's always going to be kind of weighing those risks and benefits, basically looking at your age, looking at your risk factors, looking at what percentage of risk is it going to help you to take them out and what percentage of risk might you have if you keep them in and having that more detailed discussion with your doctor to help decide what's best for you. Now, occasionally someone will take the ovaries out for non-cancer reasons. I'm thinking mostly about some women with severe endometriosis who have maybe had multiple surgeries for endometriosis, who have several endometriomas on the ovaries. Sometimes removing the ovaries can be helpful for more of the symptomatic reasons, but this is pretty rare. And again, it's going to be really important to weigh the risks and benefits of those reasons. So let's talk about some of the benefits to removing the ovaries and those people that I just mentioned who have some elevated risk. Particularly if you have an elevated risk from a cancer mutation, something like a BRCA mutation or a Lynch syndrome mutation, removing the ovaries can significantly reduce your risk of ovarian cancer. And in the example of the BRCA mutations can significantly reduce the risk of breast cancer as well. So the reduction in risk of ovarian cancer can be anywhere from 90 to 98 percent, depending on the mutation and depending on the study. And the risk reduction for breast cancer can be up to about 50 percent. This can also be a significant reduction in risk in recurrence of breast cancer for those who have hormonally responsive breast cancers, who have already had an aggressive or high-stage breast cancer. So sometimes removing the ovaries can help, and it can also help to sort of change the medications that may need to be taken to reduce breast cancer risk in the future. However, removing the ovaries is not a guarantee. It does significantly reduce risk, but there is still risk of ovarian cancer or what we call primary peritoneal cancer, which is like ovarian cancer, but in the surrounding tissues. That can still occasionally happen, sometimes because there may have been cancer cells already present that have maybe spread once the ovaries are removed, or sometimes in the sort of surrounding tissues that may remain. Overall, that is very rare and the risk is very low, but just keep in mind that removing the ovaries does not completely eliminate risk. So if you are somebody who's at high risk who has had the ovaries removed, it is still important to follow up, to get checkups, to monitor for the development of cancer. 
And then the same thing with the risk reduction for breast cancer. I said about a 50% risk reduction of breast cancer with the BRCA mutations and also a risk reduction when we're talking about recurrence of cancer. But keep in mind that that means that for those BRCA mutations, while we're reducing the risk, there still is risk of cancer and there still is risk of recurrence for those who have had it. So getting the routine checkups and getting your screenings and monitoring with your oncologist is still going to be really important. Now, we've talked a lot about whether or not to remove the ovaries and risks and benefits of that. And I will say that if you're removing the ovaries, definitely removing the fallopian tubes with the ovaries is an important component of that. But there is something that I recommend for most of my patients who are having a hysterectomy or who are having surgery in the pelvis for other reasons and who do not want to have children in the future. And that is removing the fallopian tubes. So we actually think that most ovarian cancers start in the fallopian tubes. And unlike the ovaries, the fallopian tubes aren't producing hormones. The fallopian tubes are really just there to be a conduit for pregnancy, so to connect eggs with sperm and allow pregnancy to happen. So if you do not want to get pregnant in the future and you're having a procedure done, removing the fallopian tubes can reduce your risk of ovarian cancer by up to 80 to 90%, depending on the study that you're looking at. So I do recommend this for all of my patients who are having pelvic surgery for other reasons or for those who have some elevated risk and want to reduce their risk but don't want to go as far as removing the ovaries because of those elevated cardiovascular risks. Removing the fallopian tubes can be something that helps to significantly reduce, not completely eliminate, but significantly reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. Now, removing the fallopian tubes is not helpful in reducing the risk of breast cancer, so I would not use it for this tactic, but definitely for helping to reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. The other thing that we don't really know when we're considering whether or not to remove the ovaries and or fallopian tubes is what happens when we remove the ovaries for benign indications, so somebody who doesn't necessarily have a genetic cancer mutation, what happens when we add back hormone replacement therapy for these patients? And that's a question that has a lot of nuance to it. We really don't have a lot of data saying whether or not that significantly reduces those risks of removing the ovaries. Of course, in somebody who has a significant cancer risk for breast or ovarian cancer, we wouldn't really want to add back a lot of hormones because that can increase the risk for those in general. But for those who are having the ovaries removed or who have already had the ovaries removed, sometimes adding back hormone replacement therapy definitely can help with those symptoms and could possibly help with some of the cardiovascular risks. Again, this hasn't been well studied, so we don't really know that. We do know that for those who have had a hysterectomy as well, we can add back estrogen alone without the progesterone, and that estrogen alone is 
typically enough to manage a lot of the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause, things like the hot flushes and the mood changes and the sleep disturbances and the skin changes and all of that. And we do know also from good data that while the risk of breast cancer is increased with hormone replacement therapy that includes both estrogen and progesterone, and again, that's not a huge increase in risk, typically less than 1% increase in risk. But we know that if we give estrogen alone in those who have not had a uterus, that it does not increase the risk of breast cancer. So if you have undergone surgery where you've removed the ovaries, or if you're considering this for different indications, you may want to consider adding back some estrogen as hormone replacement therapy to help both with symptoms and reducing some of your overall risk potentially. The bottom line is, is that this is a complex situation. It's not quite as simple as saying, okay, well, I'm getting close to menopause already. Let's just take everything out. It's important to have a detailed and nuanced conversation with your provider Hopefully you have a provider that's bringing up this conversation with you, but if you do not, make sure you get the information that you need, arm yourself with questions so that you can bring it up with your provider yourself. As always, when you're armed with information, when you have questions ready and can have that discussion with your provider, you're going to be able to advocate for yourself and get the best choices and the best outcome. So I hope this helps. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and share with someone in your life who may benefit from this too. Remember that while I am a doctor, this podcast does not constitute medical advice and is for informational purposes only. Talk with your doctor about what may apply to you and your health. We'll see you on the next episode of Enriched Menopause.